is a man who spends hours in hardware stores sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. The clouds uh, must be parting because it's up to 76, headed to what, low 80s today? Yes. The uh, Blevins family, understandably enough, uh, is terribly upset and grieving about the death of Thurman Blevins, who was shot, what's getting to be what now, three weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And uh, there was another meeting last night that turned into chaos. Uh, Cooler heads are going to prevail. Chaos is not good. Well, the head of the Bureau of Criminal Criminal Apprehension tried to speak at the gathering. The meeting quickly descended into chaos when Blevins' sister and cousin angrily confronted organizers about the purpose and format of the meeting at Weber Park Community Center. The site was just a few blocks away from the alley where two Minneapolis police officers shot the 31-year-old Blevins on June 23. BCA Superintendent Drew Evans had been invited to talk about how the investigation was being conducted. When some in the audience of about 50 people said that this wasn't going to be the BCA's meeting, Evans tried to reassure them that he understood that. Okay. Sounds like he went there to try to make himself useful. Right. Then Corey Blevins, Thurman's sister, stood up at the back of the room and addressed the crowd. She said the organizers of the meeting... In this case, the Council for Minnesotans of African American Heritage, Liberty Church, and Mad Dads of Minneapolis had disrespected her family. She said she doesn't trust the BCA and wanted the focus of the meeting to be about justice for her brother. The Blevins family uh, is, is placing all of us between a rock and a hard place here. How else am I supposed to interpret what she continues to insist? You don't want to see the body cam film. You don't want the head of the BCA at your meeting. You want justice. We all do. But if you are going to be blind to the process, that can only lead the average citizen in the Twin Cities to conclude that the only justice you imagine is finding the two officers guilty of murder. Right. Is that a reasonable statement it on is. my part? It is. He wasn't a bad man. We all make mistakes, she said. Everybody deserve, deserves a future. Now my brother doesn't have a future. Those in attendance, let me turn the page here. This is from the Star Tribune today. Those in attendance, excuse the noise, quickly started to argue with each other. Some wanted Evans to speak, while others shouted that the BCA would never do an honest investigation involving a police shooting. Many people also demanded that the journalists leave. A few minutes later, several people confronted Evans, who was sitting in the back of the room. They demanded to know if he had seen body camera footage of the shooting. He sat quietly for a time, then left with two other men. People then mingled in the meeting room for about 15 minutes more before most most of them dispersed. What happened at the meeting was supposed to happen, said organizer Resma Menachem, a clinical social worker who specializes in trauma. This community has been brutalized for years and people are showing their pain. Blevins was shot to death in an alley after a short chase. We know that the officers Ryan Kelly, hired by the department in October 2013, and Justin Schmidt, hired in July 2014, are on standard paid administrative leave. Before the meeting, Justin Terrell or Terrell, executive director of the Council for Minnesotans of African-American Heritage, said the community wanted a transparent 
conversation with the BCA about Blevins' death. Well, he showed up to have the conversation. Right. We it sounds de- like you got a lot of cooks making the soup here. We have demanded that the BCA meet with the community. He did. And the family didn't want to want him there. We have demanded that the BCA meet with the community, give us the 9-11 transcripts, and release the body camera video, he said. And they said they are going to do all three. Terrell said he met with the Blevins family Wednesday night and that it was his understanding that none of them would attend the meeting. Well, they did attend the meeting, though. When it's very confusing. Menachem tried to talk to reporters after the meeting, he was taunted by several people. People are tired of seeing bodies destroyed like this, he said. This is historical trauma showing up. I really don't care what Evans has to say, he said. It obviously wasn't time for the community to hear what he has to say. So I, I think we have so, so many mixed messages here. When these grievings become owned by the community, which mm-hmm. needs to be foghorned, please. Mm-hmm. When these grievings become owned by the community, uh, it can only it, it can only stand to reason that it will become chaotic because because the uh, no one's in charge of what direction they want to take, except uh, in the uh, Blevins case, we keep getting the idea that we want justice. We don't want the body cam. We don't want Drew Evans here. We don't want a conversation with the BCA. We want justice. What, 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 are, what is somebody like me supposed to think? The, the only justice you want is to just automatically convict the two coppers of murder. What if it wasn't that? What if that wasn't the case? We have rules to follow for a reason. What line? What what guy is that? Neil? Yeah, uh, Mr. Mayor, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I clearly believe that um, the likes of the kind of like the, the Black Lives Matter, and and I, again, I am a minority myself, so so people can not think I'm, you know, some whatever. Anyways, um, they. They truly, I truly believe that a lot of the, like I said, Black Lives Matter would want the police to not be involved or not be around at all. I think they would clearly be better. They think they'd be better off with no police, which we we know is absurd. I have seen that. I have seen that offered. I have seen that contention offered by community and, activists that. Uh, and, and, and the ones that sat out on the street in Minneapolis for a month or whatever it was. They, they taunting the uh, African-American uh, police officer, and it just goes to show, you know, where, where their thoughts are. And like I said, they, they, they don't want the police around, except if they're, you know, they need in their emergency, then they might want them. But they, I don't think they want the police at all. I, I agree. I, I, yep. I've, I've noted that before. Thank you. Show the body camera film. As soon as possible. As soon as possible. And if it develops that it could be clearly understood that these two police officers completely overreacted and and shot Thurman Blevins with no apparent threat visible in this film, then the mayor of Minneapolis uh, has a has a hell of a problem on his hands. Then take the two officers into custody as quickly as possible. 
and follow the rules that should be followed at that point. And the mayor of Minneapolis has got a big problem on his hands if the body camera footage goes a long way in absolving the two police officers. Right. Then I don't know what what counsel to offer the mayor of Minneapolis. Uh, the BCA has got to make that film available as soon as possible. But the family also cannot continue to have these meetings, and I'm not telling them how to grieve. They can grieve however they see fit, but they can't just say, uh, this is how we feel now. We don't want to look at video. We just want this these guys to put behind bars. I think, again, I think what happens, we've seen this as a pattern. When the grieving becomes a force of a collectivism, when the grieving enters the realm of being owned by an entire community, it's, it's going to be very difficult for reason to prevail. Because when you bring in the entire community, many of whom have beefs for a variety of reasons, then uh, the momentum begins to develop that you're never going to get a straight answer from the police. Because now you've got all of these variety of voices saying, we never get justice. We never get justice. We never get justice. And then somebody else weighs in. Yeah, I never got any justice either. And the next thing you know, uh, all hell will break loose. And uh, I- I'm hoping all hell won't break loose. But the BCA has got to do it. They got to get going here. I know that they got to follow their procedures and, and whatnot. But they- well, they said they have to talk to everybody. So let's enough time has passed. Well, let's let's talk to them. Let's go here is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Let's go here. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Suchere. What's this bacon and beer festival? Oh, I'm really excited about that. Are you going? I am going. Are you there in a station capacity? Uh, The station has their hand in this as a promotion, and they've done a lot of advertising. So we will have a presence there. I'm not there in an official role, though, but I'm very excited. I'm going to go Saturday night. And not only just for the bacon, but they got craft beers. I got whole, it sounds like a really fun party. I got so much crap for going to the cat festival. I'll say as well. You should have that. This is one I can stand behind and see it just with pride. You can job. do this with pride. Yeah, they got craft beers and bacon everywhere. Well, so you just go eat a hunk of bacon? No, they're they're uh, a lot of these different restaurants. There are very creative in what they're going to put together. So bacon will be a staple. But they'll find ways to creatively make a dish. And then these restaurants, their benefit is to lure you in to come and see them, you know, on a Thursday night. Are you a chewy or crispy guy? Uh, I like a, I'm kind of in between. I don't like it crispy. I like it a little chewy. I like a thick cut chewy bacon. Thick? You know what Pat said when he heard about this event? What? Bacon's overrated. No, it's not. It's overrated. It's not overrated. I think it's overrated. If, you have, if you're cooking rice, your little rice cooker... Yeah, you, I don't. But. Okay, if you ever chopped up bacon and threw it in the rice, it would it completely change the taste and the meal you're looking. Well, I, I would imagine so. Of course it would. But would you ever think to do that? Well, well, of course not. Right. 
But it's going to something like the Bacon and Beer Fest, you would find a new way to create something by adding bacon to make it colorful, uh, more tasteful, that kind of stuff. One chromosome. Just, just one. <laughs> I wish I would have gone. One chromosome. Why, I wish I would have gone to culinary school. Or you just to learn because uh, I would be. Uh, you'd be a, You'd be probably a five-star chef someplace. Thank you. Tough way to make that. a living. Uh, yeah, it's very competitive. But especially right now, look at all these restaurants that are pushing each other to make better meals. It's not just you're getting a, bur- a regular burger. They're adding all sorts of great dishes. Do you recall uh, this, this? You want to go? No. Do you recall this? Uh, I don't. I don't know why I'm being so dismissive of it. It does sound fun. I can get you in there. What's wrong with beer and bacon? You yeah. know, I'm. I'm. I'm, on, you, I'm on board. I'll give you a full report. Yeah. Do you recall uh, the Alabama uh, sheriff who uh, lined his pockets with money that ostensibly should have been used to feed inmates? Yes, and he he he. Bought himself no a secrets. beach house on the Redneck Riviera, and and he said yes, but I I did that legally, right? Uh, and they, sure enough, uh, to no one's surprise, there was a pre-war law that said, hey, uh, sheriffs, if if there's any money left over from feeding the inmates, and you can well imagine in Alabama who the inmates would have been seventy seventy years right. ago, uh, these sheriffs started stuffing their pockets with the money and not feeding the inmates properly, right? Uh, Alabama's governor, Kay Ivey, a Republican, has moved to ban jail food funds from lining sheriff's pockets. Previously, sheriffs could keep for themselves any excess money after they had paid for prisoners' meal. On Tuesday, Governor Kay Ivey ordered that the money no longer go to sheriffs personally. Instead, any excess will go to a county general fund or an account established for the sheriff's official use. You didn't go far enough, Kay. Right. I, boy, you had me. I was very hopeful. You didn't go far enough. Because I was just, just going to say. end it. Period. Right. That's end the right it. thing to do. It's public funds should sheriff. be used for public purposes. Ivy, a Republican, said in a statement, it's that simple. Well, A, what took you so long? And B, you didn't go far enough, Kay. A practice begun in the Depression was upheld in 2008, really, that recently, in a ruling by then-Attorney General Troy King, who said a sheriff may retain any surplus from the food service allowance as personal income, noting that most of the sheriffs in the state have retained the food service allowances for personal income for years. That's wrong. Especially, and I, you know, I don't want to get into a cultural war here, but as I say, can you imagine who the prisoners were in Alabama in the Depression? Right. Bunch of black guys. Right. And they're and, giving them the bare minimum of food, so they need to realize that. And at, in 2011, another attorney general, Luther Strange, now that's a, that's the name of an Alabama attorney general, Luther Strange. <laughs> contradicted King's opinion, ruling that neither the sheriff nor the county may use the surplus for any purpose other than future expenses in feeding prisoners. Ivy's office this week rescinded the 2008 policy and said the state should instead follow Strange's opinion. Critics said the practice had incentivized abuse of prisoners. Last year, NPR's Camilla Domonosok reported on a sheriff in Alabama's Etowah County. Voters in Alabama lost their appetite for a sheriff who personally profited off hundreds of thousands of dollars meant to buy food for inmates at the Etowah County Jail, Sheriff Todd and Trekin. That was the guy, remember? Mm-hmm. He lost his re-election campaign during the Republican primary. Uh, 
and he he confirmed that he profited by hundreds of thousands of dollars by reducing costs in jail kitchens. He emphasized that it was illegal. He denied that inmates experienced experienced malnutrition while agreeing that many prisoners are not happy with the food they are served. Uh, Okay. Wow. Yeah, they need to get rid of it completely. In, In 2009, a federal judge held Morgan County Sheriff Greg Bartlett in contempt of court for failing to feed inmates properly. He made $212,000 over three years in excess food funds, the New York Times reported. At the time, the sheriff had retained more than two hundred grand, while the breakfast that Morgan County was serving to prisoners was sometimes no more than a slice of toast, part of an egg, and several spoonfuls of grits. Uh, no. That's damn near bread and water. Yeah. At one point, prisoners were fed corn dogs at every meal for about three months after two area sheriffs had bought a truckload of sausages at a bargain price. Ivy says she wants to stop that and is urging lawmakers to pass legislation clarifying that sheriffs can't keep extra jail food money. Yeah, but Kay, Ivy, uh, you know, you've taken a good step, but you, you, you didn't go to enough... Instead, any excess will go to a county general fund. Okay, you had me right there. Yep. Or an account established for the sheriff's personal official use. How is that distinguished? That still opens the door to highway robbery. I disagree. End it. I guess she's waiting for the legislature to end it. We'll be back shortly, but now thanks to our great friends in Owatonna, Minnesota, at Federated Insurance, where it's their business to protect your business, and nobody does that better than Federated. It's Bruce Vale from the Wall Street Journal, and what's left of your money now? You know, the worst part was the part of the egg th- that the inmates were served yeah. was the shell. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. Yeah. It was tough, uh, wasn't it? We're looking at uh, partial gains today. The market has been wavering a little bit throughout the day. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 97 points. The NASDAQ Composite moving back and forth today. Right now it's up just a half point. It was in the red a short time ago. The S&P 500 is up just two. So too early to call if we'll get a winning day. Hoping to fill the gaps in consumers' diets, General Mills released a bunch of new products that meet modern nutritional and lifestyle demands. The company's latest launches look to capture the moment for any eating occasion. Changes can be seen in new releases from Annie's homegrown brand that now offer more clean label snacks and from Larabar, which has launched a line of bars for children. Happy National French Fry Day. That is today. Friday Friday also kicks off a weekend celebrating comfort food. Tomorrow is Mac and Cheese Day, and Sunday is National Ice Cream Day. A number of chains and restaurants have deals on French fries today, including Burger King, Carl's Jr., Checkers, McDonald's, and Wendy's. I'm Bruce Vail with your Money Now on 1500 ESPN. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Vale. We'll talk to you very soon. And Suchi Boy was just talking about the wonderful time at the Bacon and Beer Fest at CHS Field. If you want to get in on that, check it all out on our website, 1500ESPN.com. we got all sorts of stuff going on. And I would like to remind you that we're looking for our next 1500 ESPN host. 1500 ESPN sportscaster Idol is here. The winner is going to receive their own Sunday morning show for one year. Video and audio. Commencing garage logic segment number eight. 
Here's John Height. Uh, thank you, Joe. Cloudy and 76 degrees. Uh, this update brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company. Visit Duluth Trading Company stores in Fridley, Bloomington, Woodbury, uh, and downtown Duluth, of course. Uh, hey, can I say something here? You may. You, you, may I? I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Reavers and I, Sunday, we're, we are honored we get to uh, introduce the Jayhawks out at the zoo. So, really? Yeah, so come on by, say hi. Nice. If, uh, uh, it, is, it is sold out already. So Really? If, yeah. So, But uh, that'll be fun. Say hi if, if you're a listener. Yeah. No, no. That'll be fun. Good for you. Uh, Kyle Gibson pitched great last night. Struck out nine over eight innings. The Twins defeated the Rays five to one. Tonight at Target Field, Jake Odorizzi for the Twins. Of course, he's a former member of Tampa Bay. A veteran Nathan Ivaldi will pitch for the Rays. St. Paul Saints on the road. They're in Kansas City. They're playing the Kansas City T-Bones. The Saints have a game lead in the North Division of the American Association. And the Lynx in action tonight. They're at home. They'll play the Las Vegas Aces at the Target Center. News notes from today. The Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension confirms it has been asked to investigate a police shooting this morning in Chanhassen. Authorities have no immediate details on what happened. The BCA said agents in that crime scene are responding. A heavy police presence observed along the border of Chanhassen and Excelsior. Carver County Sheriff Chief Deputy Jason Camarud confirmed that the Carver County Sheriff's Office was the agency involved in the shooting. He did not say whether or not the person shot was dead. Star Tribune reporting, according to emergency dispatch audio, the shooting occurred in the 6400 block of Oriel Avenue, just off Highway 7, and involved a 17-year-old male who was armed. CPR was performed. The chaplain was requested at the scene. The shooting scene is a single-family home, about 2,800 square feet in the Minnetonka School District. Greg Greenwood, who lives down the street from the shooting, said he heard two distinct popping sounds just before 10.30 this morning. No other details available. A Hastings man has been charged in connection to a fatal crash in Rosemount where a large boulder fell from a truck, hit a vehicle, killed the two occupants. The criminal complaint filed this morning says Joseph Paul Check faces four counts of criminal vehicular homicide, two for causing a collision and leaving the scene, and two for gross negligence. He made his first appearance in court today. A judge set a $30,000 bail with conditions, $70,000 bail without conditions. Authorities determined the boulder hit the car, killing the driver and the passenger. The complaint identified the two as 67-year-old Karen Jean Christensen and her daughter, Jenna Helene. Christensen, 32. We had the Rosemount police chief on mm-hmm. earlier in the show, Mitchell Scott, and he uh, essentially said it was, uh, th- they are reasonably certain that, that the uh, fellow knew that he had lost the boulder. Yeah. And he'd be in considerably less trouble if he had stopped. Mm-hmm. Owner of a St. Paul coffee shop has been charged with first and second degree criminal sexual conduct after authorities say he assaulted a 15-year-old female employee last weekend. Court records say Eduardo de la Rivia Larios of Burnsville, 45 years old, charged in Ramsey County. St. Paul Police spokesperson Steve Linders confirmed reports. The investigator on the case thinks that de la Riva Larios may have had other victims. Anyone with information is asked to call the St. Paul Police Department Sex Crimes Unit. According to the complaint, the girl said she was working with him at the coffee shop last Saturday when he asked her if she had a boyfriend. She alleged the talk then turned to sex, which made her uncomfortable. He reportedly said he touched her inappropriately and later kissed her. She alleged he told her we don't need to tell anyone or the police about what happened. The complaint says that De La Riva Larios dismissed the allegations as false when officers arrested him, asking to speak to his lawyer. But the criminal complaint also says that after being advised of his rights, he spoke to an officer allegedly saying he had talked to the girl about having sex with her boyfriend, and he told the girl she needed to understand how her body worked. The complaint goes on to state... He's just trying to be helpful, in other words. Yeah, exactly. 
The complaint goes on to state that Della Riva Larios has a prior conviction for solicitation, inducement, and promotion of prostitution. What coffee shop is this? Does uh, it the coffee shop was not named. <laughs> no, just St. Paul's. I don't want to go there if I... Right. Uh, no. Dozen Russian intelligence officers charged today with conspiring to hack Democrats in 2016 to disrupt the presidential election. That, according to allegations laid out in the indictment filed by Special Counsel Robert Mueller, the 12 were members of a Russian military intelligence agency known as the GRU. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein announcing the charges at a midday news conference. The suspects, Rosenstein said, covertly monitored computers, implanted hundreds of files containing malicious computer code, stole emails and other documents. The goal of the conspirators have it, uh, was to have an impact on the election. A detailed indictment does provide some disturbing notes, including one that says on or about August 15, 2016, Russians posing as Guccifer 2.0 received a request for stolen documents from a candidate for the U.S. Congress. The conspirators responded using the Guccifer 2.0 persona that the candidate stolen documents related to the candidate's opponent. The indictment does not identify the candidate. Does the weight of this indictment suggest that the mischief was performed to benefit Trump? Yes. They didn't hack the RNC, just the DNC. Mm-hmm. And, and sent... Uh, well, to not, paraphrase, not nice things, shall we say, about Democrats. To paraphrase an earlier conversation we had, yeah. I too do not want to get conspiratorial. Yeah, but <laughs> you 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 find yourself wondering if Russia thinks they can do whatever they want uh, because they got their guy in in place. I think that's the white elephant in the country room. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, if he meets with him in three days, do mm-hmm. you think he'll bring this up? I have no idea. Yeah, that'd be interesting to find out. What's the deal with the email? <laughs> By next week, there will only be one blockbuster video store left in America. Right now, there are three, but two of them in Alaska are closing this Sunday. Alaska just got the word. Oh, I thought they'd been gone forever. <laughs> that had to make somebody a billionaire, didn't it, when it first happened? Uh, I would assume, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, was the, that was the only place to yeah. go. Uh, this will leave only the blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. After Sunday, Sandy Harding is the Bend store's general manager, says she was surprised to hear that her store was the last one open. She said it's pretty exciting that we're the last holdout. She said loyal customers and tourists have helped to keep her store open. Uh, Daily, we have people coming in and going, oh, my gosh, you're a blockbuster. How are you still here? Uh, She did add they plan on sticking around. She said we have licensing agreements and leases. As of now, we have no plans on closing. At its peak in 2004, the company boasted 9,000 locations. But as Netflix, Redbox, and other video-on-demand services began to pop up, the business struggled to compete in the age that favored digital. I never made Wasn't it there in. one in Highland Park, Rook? Yeah. And I never made it into the, uh, what do we call the, it was a high-stakes room. It was uh, like Vegas. It was always roped off, or there was a, a curtain you had to go through for the. What was in there, porn stuff? It must have been expensive. You know, like, I figured it was like high-stakes in Vegas. Yeah. 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 People always came out. They seem very happy when they came I, out. I'm of the unaware high of that. I'm unaware of that. Mm. I think, uh, think you were right on your first guess there, Joe. Oh. Think so? Okay. <laughs> it wasn't high stakes. No, it wasn't high stakes. Got it. Uh, True TV. Remember True TV? Sure. Had the, the governor's station. Mm-hmm. They will debut a new ga- or they did debut a new game show called Paid Off this week. It sees three college grads get a chance at winning their freedom from student debt. The show is hosted by Michael Torpy, who stars in Orange is the New Black. If the idea of the game show is to help people pay off what's a serious real-world issue for many sounds ridiculous, Torpy, the host, agrees. 
He said one of the mantras is it's an absurd show to match an absurd crisis. A game show feels really apt because this is the state of things right now. Paid off works like any other traditional game show. Three contestants battle each other to answer trivia questions, all with an education or college theme. Like, what's the most romantic date you can have for under $10? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, but uh, if you win, uh, you can have your college debt paid off as high as $50,000. Oh, I mean, there's an answer to that question? Well, I'm assuming, yes. Probably I, some, do you have to go to a place, or do you just go to the store and get ramen noodles? <laughs> I bet you, you that's some. it, Rook. I bet you it has something to do with buy ramen noodles. Yeah, that would be a college thing. Yeah. <laughs> the exact amount that True TV pays is determined by how many questions the winner asks in the final speed round. Uh, paid off will run for 16 episodes this summer. You can have click into that. You got True at the, uh, at the big house? I don't think I'm going to be watching that. Police in Texas are looking for a man who broke into an office while wearing underwear on his head. Not a, not generally a good disguise, is it? No, because no, that would attract attention to you. Yeah, look at this guy. Why do you have underwear on your head? The suspect donning a blue pair of boxer briefs on his head, but not enough to completely hide his face, showing his eyes and nose, burglarized enchanted rock and landscape supplies about 26 miles southwest of Austin, Texas. It wasn't immediately clear if he searched through all the drawers at the office, but they said he got away with plenty. Local police department posted the surveillance video of the break into Facebook, which the man has seen climbing through a window with what seems to be a flashlight in his mouth. Before I've got a rock formation in my pants. <laughs> before walking up to the security camera uh, with his underwear over his head, apparently disabling the camera. I'm not, I'm not imagining a lot of cash in a landscaping office. No. I don't think so. No. I think it was more of an attention grabber. Dave Dahl is coming up. University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. We're up to 76 degrees, heading for the high of about 82. The sunshine is taking its time getting here. It's not too far away, but we have quite a few clouds to go through yet. So we'll see that sun break out a little bit later on. And uh, mostly clear skies expected by tonight, 69. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and 87 degrees. Should be the pick of the weekend, even though Sunday's going to be nice as well, up to 88. It will be a little bit more humid on Sunday, and some thunderstorms could start to pop up anytime after about 3 or 4 in the afternoon, Sunday. Then mostly sunny, less humid Monday, 83 for the high. Low 80s much of next week. Some scattered or isolated storms possible Wednesday and Thursday, but it uh, looks like a pretty dry week compared to what we've had this week. Mostly clear skies tonight, Joe, going for a low of 69. Right now we're at 76, and I have the records for the day. July 13. 105. 105. And you know the year. 1936. You got it. And then 50. 50. In 1990. In 1990. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. The mayor of Lancaster, California, mm -hmm. R. Rex Paris, mm -hmm. wants to forbid city employees from wearing neckties. He wants to prevent them from no. wearing neckties. Oh, yeah. City employees should be in uniform. He says this is a matter of public health. No. Uh, Paris cited a study published in the journal Neuroradiology. Well, I don't know why he would be. He's a lawyer by trade. I don't know why he'd be reading that. Hmm. That suggests wearing neckties may lower blood flow to the brain, potentially curbing creativity and analytical thinking. Maybe that's what happened to the Minlar system here. Too many guys with tight neckties. <laughs> the study also contends that restricting circulation by such an amount, 7.5%, uh, could have fatal implications for someone with high blood pressure. 
I spend a lot of hours every week on an elliptical or a bike just to increase blood flow to my brain. And it turns out every morning when I put on a tie, I'm diminishing it, he said. He wants Lancaster employers to make wearing ties to work optional at the very least. And he likened the tie requirement to demanding women wear heels to work, characterizing it as an issue of compelled gender presentation. Paris, apparently is a well-known lawyer, said he has not stopped wearing ties yet because the courts require it. Because the proposed policy would involve issuing infractions to offending employers, Paris has asked the city's criminal justice commission to look into whether such a rule is practical. In 2003, a study published in the Journal of Ophthalmology showed that wearing ties too tightly may increase risk for blindness and glaucoma. Uh-huh. I had to wear a tie all through high school. I did as well. And I've never had a job that required me to wear a tie. Huh. But that's gee, kind of, that's you, kind of iron or ironic, isn't it? You wear the tie, you get you get dumber. <laughs> well, here, on a related note. some no- of your high school grades. No, on a related note, uh, the hotter it gets, the dumber people get. Imagine wearing a tie and it gets really hot. You'd be twice be as twice dumb as, as somebody. Dumb. Uh, where was this studied, published? On the PLOS, whatever that is, medical website. Researchers from Harvard's Uni- Harvard University's T.H. Chan School of Public Health found that the human brain functions 13% slower when it has to work in extreme heat. You remember how dumb I used to be? Yes. Well, I'm better now. Well, I'm certainly glad to hear it. (laughs) Scientists studied 44 college students over a 12-day period in Boston in July 2016, one of the city's worst heat waves on record, according to KDKA-TV. 22 undergrads lived in air-conditioned brick-based buildings, while the other 22 lived in similar buildings with no air conditioning. Scientists added that buildings the students lived in made the effect of heat on their brains even worse. Okay, those living in the buildings without air conditioning perform more than 13% worse on math and memory tests than their cohorts cohorts who lived in air-conditioned dorms. There's long been a belief that older people or those who are ill are the ones whose health is most at risk during higher temperatures. Okay. And imagine again, if they were wearing ties. They'd be twice as dumb. Does this uh, place of employment that we are right now... Does it officially have Casual Friday? No. I don't think so. It doesn't. No. Because um, one of the higher-ups I walked into, um, I think I had a pair of shorts. This was years and years ago when yeah. we first moved over here. Uh, he exp- explained to me on Friday that I don't think we have Casual Friday. No, I don't think so. They're very kind, but uh, it was just a way of saying, you know what, let's let's not wear shorts to work. Well, uh, you know, the chairman is a guy who sets a pretty good tone. Yeah, for, and for, this was not the chairman, by the way. Yeah. Uh, most of the research on the health effects of heat has been done in vulnerable populations such as the elderly, creating the perception that the general population is not at risk from heat waves. Jose Guillermo Cedeno Laurent, the study's lead author, said in the release, knowing what the risks are across different populations is critical, considering that in many. Oh, here we go. Honest to God. No. Nope. Yep. Climate related. Mm hmm. Climate change is making us dumber. Knowing what the risks are across different populations is critical, considering that in many cities, the number of heat waves is projected to increase due to climate change. Oh, my God. Harvard University 
climate change solutions funded the study. In other words, the people who buy this BS about climate change, they said it's always changed, have found that they, they managed to figure out a way to demonstrate that in hot weather, you're stupid. So it would be a bad idea to go up to the chairman to say, you know, not only does that tie make you dumb, you're twice as dumb with the heat. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Yesterday, it was the New York Times saying that the kids would not have been trapped in the cave unless it was climate change, even though they had to provide a number of quotes in the story that said, we we don't know what, no idea. we can't blame that on climate change. And here, Harvard's Climate Change Solutions Department, whatever that is, funded a study that conveniently enough showed that you're 13% more stupid in a heat wave. <laughs> you're just 13% more stupid. 13% more. And if you wear a necktie, you're restricting blood flow to your brain by 7.5%. That's starting to do math. Well, I'm going to live forever, man, because we're in an air-conditioned building, Yep. and I'm not wearing a tie. Huh? The Sands is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band. And the man is Joe Suchere. You don't tell me. Why don't you do something to help me? Get this right. Ah. <laughs> How did all these people get in my room? It's pretty close. Come fly with me, we'll fly, we'll fly away. Take that orchestra down for a moment. Doug? Yes, sir. Yeah. How are you? Very good. You're on the air. Excellent. I got the answer to your necktie issue. All right. Go back to the clip-on, man. <laughs> All right, thank you. I don't have a necktie issue. In Lama Land, there's a one-man band, and he'll toot his flute for you. Come on. You know, I just turned on the TCL. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. I just turned on the 55-inch TCL. When I uh, came into the studio today as Judd and Phil were leaving, yeah, they had Wimbledon on. And they were watching a match that was in its sixth hour. No. And now it's uh, Nadal and Dokovic. So whoever those two were, they're done. I, I apologize. I don't know their names and I don't know who won. But that's, uh, I think that's fairly rare in tennis for them to go that long. I would imagine. But Phil be- said one of the guys involved was in a match that took 11 hours one time. So, again, I, I'm not up on my tennis enough to know. If it was golf, I could have told you their names. But I'm not up on uh, tennis enough to know. Well, so that's that the beauty of golf. It, it's it's going to be done. You're not going on forever. Well, you got a good point there. It, you know, you got 18 holes, right? And it's over. Boom. These guys could just keep volleying and serving and not breaking each other's serve and on and on. I and like on. tennis. I'm just not a huge over the top fan. Boy, I wish I would have stayed with it because uh, it sure makes a lot of sense to play it. It's good for you. It's cheap, and these courts all over the city are essentially empty. Yeah. Right. 
But you know, that time came and went for me. <laughs> you played though, huh? Yeah, I, I fell down all the time jumping <laughs> over the net. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis at 76. Patrick is up next.